We're going to get into the third week uh, of this and final week of this series. Uh, I've titled Declare, and we've been talking about some prayers that Paul prayed over the churches the first week was the church at Colossae in Colossians. The, and last week, we, we covered a first, uh, the first prayer in Ephesians that he prayed. And then uh, today, we're going to be covering another prayer he, he prayed in Ephesians chapter 3. How many know and remember we saying this last week, there is no such thing as the early church and the late church, right? So this wasn't when he prayed this prayer. He prayed it for the church at Ephesus, but it's, it was being prayed for all the church, for all the time. This is for us. These prayers are for us today. And I, real quickly, I just wanted to share something out of a book I referenced last week um, uh, by a, a, a man of God, and I'm not going to go into his life. That would take way too long. But um, there's a book called The Authority of the Believer, and he shared about these prayers when he came uh, to, he became aware of these prayers. He started praying these prayers over himself and over family members. And I'm just going to read a couple of highlighted spots from this chapter he talks about. I kind of echoed what he echoed, but he's saying that Paul didn't pray these prayers only for the church at Ephesus, but these prayers apply to us today just as much as they, do, uh, they did to the believers in Ephesus because they were given. These prayers were given by the Holy Spirit. All of the, all of the men that penned the Word of God that God used were inspired by the Holy Spirit. This is God speaking to us. And uh, that's the amazing thing. And uh, he said, this is uh, Brother Kenneth E. Hagan, and again, the book is The Authority of the Believer, and I'm just reading a couple of things that, that he had, had said about these that really stood out to me. He said, the turning point in my life came when I prayed these prayers for myself more than a thousand times. I started by reading them aloud and beginning with the first chapter. I personalized the prayers by saying, me, wherever Paul said, you. So we did that last week and the week prior we prayed corporately together, and I kind of uh, modified and, and, put the, and personalized it for us, and we're going to be doing that today again, just to warn you. So anyways, another highlighted spot, he said, said, I spent about six months praying this way during the winter of 1947 and 48. Anybody alive then? Anybody? Then the first thing I was praying for started to happen. I had been praying for the spirit of wisdom and revelation, and that was actually talked about in the first uh, prayer we covered in Ephesians. He said, I began to see things in the Bible I had never seen before. It just began to open up to me. And that is what we need. As we approach the Word of God, you know, again, we know the Word of God isn't ink on paper. It is alive. It's living. It's powerful. And we're going to get into that in the beginning. But uh, go in there expecting the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth to you. Another uh, section here. He talked about, he said, I advanced more in spiritual growth and knowledge of the, word of, of, of the Word in those six months than I had in 14 years as a minister and in more than 16 years as a Christian. He said, we must have the spirit of wisdom and revelation of Christ and His Word. Amen. If we are to grow, it is not going to be imparted to us through our intellect either. The Holy Spirit must unveil the Word of God to us. And then the last thing I highlighted here was, uh, it says it was surprising how fast his relatives changed once he started praying for them scripturally out of these prayers that Paul prayed. And he said he had been praying for them for years and years with no results. So this just kind of 
uh, affirms what we talked about last week a little bit, how when we put ourselves and set ourselves in agreement with God, the power of agreement with God. Let's read. We've, we've read some of these scriptures, and I, I'm going to just repeat them. They bear repeating. But in Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the word that God speaks is alive and active. It cuts more keenly than any two-edged sword. It strikes to the, in, to the place where soul and spirit meet to the innermost intimacies of a man's being. It exposes the very thoughts and motives of a man's heart. And I said this both prior weeks, but let the word of God read you. That word we know we heard last week and the week prior, the two-edged sword, that is one edge is the word of God coming out of his mouth. And the other edge is the word of God coming out of your mouth. And that's two-mouthed in the Greek. That's two-mouthed sword. Amen? So are we supposed to be bold or timid in speaking the word of God? And the obvious answer is we're supposed to be bold, just as bold as Jesus was. When Pastor Chad made a reference that Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father do. And he said he only says what he hears the Father say. Jesus was never timid because he heard the Father. He was hearing truth, and then he proclaimed it out of his own mouth on this earth. And Isaiah 55, 11 says, So will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void or useless without result, without accomplishing what I desire, and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. So like I just said, we are to declare the word of God with boldness. And these prayers in particular that we're talking about, we are to declare this with boldness in our own life. And I've been doing that over the course of the last few weeks, just speaking this over myself and speaking this over my family and declaring it. And uh, these, you know that these prayers that Paul prayed over these churches and that are applicable to us, this is God's desire for us. This is God's heart. God wants to reveal himself. And we're going to get into this just like we did last week and the week prior. Verse by verse, we're going to go through and kind of pick it apart. I say, let's have... Mary's attitude, in, in Luke one thirty eight, it says, she said when the angel of the Lord came to her and spoke to her and told her about the son that she would bear, she said, be it unto me according to your word. And that's the heart I want to I wanna have approaching this and especially approaching these prayers. When I decide to speak these over my life or over my family or whoever the Lord leads, my heart is, be it unto me according to your word, because your word is truth. Let me be vividly clear. I am not giving you a new, a new religious duty to in, insert into your life. This is not giving you something new, some new hoop to jump through that you didn't know about. Really, my heart is that you, we all would become aware of God's heart for us in these and as, as we, we see these um, applied to our life. Mark eleven twenty four says, For this reason I am telling you, whatever things you ask for in prayer, in accordance with God's will, believe with confident trust that you have received them, and they will be given to you. And I just, I just said that. These prayers are God's will for our life. And when if you choose to, to pray these, Know that you are praying God's will over yourself, over your family. And don't expect anything less than the result that you're praying. 
You are lining up with God. You and God are a majority. If the whole world's against you, if you feel all alone, God's still for you. And if God is for you, who can be against you? So let's look at this prayer uh, verse by verse, just like we did uh, the, the two weeks prior. Ephesians three, fourteen through 16 says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man. So you'll notice I have a couple words highlighted. So that first word, riches, is speaking of abundance and valuable bestowment. How many knows that God is into abundance? He's not into just barely enough. He's not into just barely squeaking by, but he's over and above all we could ask or think. He's into ridiculous lavishness. This is God. This is the heart of God. And then, I don't have it highlighted, but that word glory is is talking about his goodness. It's talking about his goodness according to the riches, the the abundance of his goodness. It would be strengthened or empowered, that word means. Increase, it actually means an increase in mental strength. The word inner man here is actually not talking about our spirit. We know that when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior, our spirit is created brand new. Actually, if you pick it apart, it's, it's, a, it's a being that never existed before, our, our spirit man. And it's just like Jesus. We are just as righteous and holy. That might make some people a little bit scared to even hear, be in the same room when somebody's saying that. But I'm saying what the Word of God says. We, are, we have right standing with God because of Jesus. But this inner man is speaking of our, our soul. Our mind, our will, and our emotions. In Romans 12, 2, the word says we need to renew our mind. If we want to see transformation in our life, and I know we all want that, we have to renew our mind with the way God thinks. How does God think? Well, his word is his will. That's how he thinks. And so we need to renew our mind to the way he thinks. So this is God's heart. This is God's, Paul praying this is God's heart for us, for the church, for the body of Christ. Do you believe that? Amen. Yes, I believe that. So he wants us to be strengthened with might through his spirit in our inner man, in our soul. He wants us to start thinking like him. And that's the way you actually become stronger in your Soul is you start thinking like him. Okay, let's go on to Ephesians 3.17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love. Rooted. The word rooted means to become stable. To become stable. Simple definition. Grounded means a foundation. To lay a basis for. Or to lay the foundation. And then that word love, we know that there's four or five different kinds of love, but this is talking about 
Everybody probably knows this, the love of God, which is in the Greek called agape. If you want a picture of what that looks like, how many have ever been to a wedding and heard 1 Corinthians 13 read, the love chapter? That is a picture of the God kind of love. It's not self-seeking. It's not boastful. It's not vainglorious. Believes the best all the time. But that's a picture of the love of God. So God's heart is that we are rooted and grounded. That's where our stability is, is in his love for us. 1 John 4, 9 says, To us the greatest demonstration of God's love for us has been his sending his only son into the world to give us life through him. We see real love not in the fact that we love God, because when you get down to it, we were his enemies when Jesus came and died for us, and we were dead in our trespasses and sin. It's not about that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to make personal atonement for our sins. Jesus reconciled us to our Father. He, 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 he restored harmony between man and God the Father. That's what love was. In the face of, a, of, a, of people created in his image that were, became his enemies, not because he didn't love us, but we wanted nothing to do with him. He came after us anyways with unabandonedness. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. But perfect, complete, full-grown love drives out fear. Because fear involves the expectation of divine punishment. So the one who is afraid of God's judgment is not perfected in love or has not grown into a sufficient understanding of God's love. So when we know how much God loves us, the more we become aware of that, and that's, again, through the revelation by the Holy Spirit, there is no fear in that. And how many knows it's very, very easy to trust somebody that you know is overwhelmingly in love with you? And when we know, when we are become rooted and grounded, this, this, those two words, when we become stable and our foundation becomes, my God loves me, I have no doubt in my mind that I am overwhelmingly loved by my Father. He is for me. Who can be against me? It casts out fear. And we are in a day and age where fear is rampant. I've, that's an understatement. I've, I've been in conversations with people in the last week, and it's just like there's a thread of fear within the conversations all the time. But how much more in this day and age? I mean, the Bible talks about perilous times will come. I'm, I, I feel like we're there. But we have no reason to fear. Because we are loved. Amen? Ephesians 3.18, the very next verse here, this continues on the same 
idea. We may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height. And this is talking about the love of God. That we may be able to comprehend. This means to take eagerly, to seize or to possess or to perceive. So if he's praying that we will be able to seize and possess this understanding of God's love, is it possible? People are quick to say, oh, you know, that's beyond the human comprehension. That's beyond the mind. That You can't do that. Well, right here we're seeing a prayer pray that we would be able to comprehend this. And I believe that we can comprehend this. But the word breath actually in the Greek means storage space, and it's, it's... Width, like you would probably imagine. And Psalm 103, 12 came to my mind. It says, He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. Do you know that grace is God's heart for relationship with you as though sin never existed? You know, sin is not a problem that was taken care of in Jesus. The only problem is sinners need to realize that the problem's been taken care of. And Daddy wants them back. But he said he's throwing our sin as far as the east is from the west. How many knows that east and west never meet? Because once you start going east, you never stop going east. Once you start going west... He never stopped going west. Let that simmer a little bit. And length. That just means it's just the word exceedingly great. Romans 8.32. What what great lengths of his love can I see? Well, he who did not spare his own son, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? He didn't withhold his greatest. That's, how my, that's, that's the length he went to. It's going to take everything I have to repair this mess. It's going to take Jesus. That's the length he went to. Pastor Chad said it already. He emptied himself and became a man. And he is a man. There is a man in the Godhead. There is a representative for us in the Godhead for all eternity. And he reigns forever. And we get to reign with him forever. But that's the lengths of God's love. He didn't just say it. He didn't just say, hey, you guys, I love you. Sucks that you screwed up. No. Here's your redemption. Here's your redeemer. Here's your hope. Here's your healer. Here's your restorer. This is the one who will reconcile you back to me. And his name is Jesus. The height, elevation, again, no need to define maybe. Jesus said, when I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And that actually means, people think that means is even from a little kid, there was a song about that. We used to sing this song about Jesus being lifted up. He'll draw all men unto me. And actually, lots, lots of people in the world find it repulsive, the whole story of Jesus. 
But what he's saying here is he will draw all, all sin of all men to himself. The word of God says that he became sin. And sin was judged in the man of Jesus. He drew all of it to himself. Because he knew he had no hope. That is the height. He was lift, that, that's the height of his love. He became our sin. He took our test. And he gave us the passing grade when we received Jesus. We can't take any of the glory. Jesus won it all. Okay, Jesus, I'll take your test score. Thank you. And another thing came up in my mind when I started thinking about the height. Jesus, after he went through all what he did, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And here's another beautiful picture. He said, we are seated with him in heavenly places. We are seated with Jesus right now in the spirit. We are seated with Jesus. You might think, yeah, that means nothing to me. But that's the truth. And the Holy Spirit needs to reveal that to you and to us. We are seated with Christ, the one who gave it all for us. Let's go on to chapter, I'm sorry, verse 19. To know the love of Christ, the central focus is to be rooted and grounded in love, to know the breadth, the length, the height, the depth of his love. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So the first word, know. To know means to know absolutely, to be aware of, or to perceive, or to be sure. To be sure. Experiential knowledge. Not just head knowledge, but actually to know. And like I said, it is not impossible to know God's love to understand and become aware and perceive and to, and to know absolutely as this word means because it's in the word of God. This is God's heart that we would know his love. He is love. We would know him. This is saying we would know him. And that next word knowledge means the act of knowing and it's actually also the same word for science. Knowledge of science, we know, here's the definition for science in case anybody was curious. Knowledge about or study of the natural world based on facts learned through experiments and observation. So we don't want to just head know, oh, that's cool, or hear somebody say, God loves you, oh, yeah, that's great. No, he wants us to experience his love, to, per to perceive it in such a way that there is an absolute positive knowing that God loves me. There is not a doubt in my mind, in my heart, that God loves me and he is for me. I have become aware by the, by the Holy Spirit of God's love for me, but it didn't end with that one first experience. One of the experiences is the first time I realized, I need Jesus. And as a 13-year-old kid, cried out to God with all my heart. It was a big, dramatic moment. <laughs> Some it's just not. That was the first time I think I remember realizing I'm loved by God. And there's many more that followed that. But every day, he wants to reveal his love to you more and more and more. Filled. 
We learned this the first week. It means to cram, to furnish, to finish, to be complete. In fullness, what fills or which is put in to fill up. He wants us crammed full with love himself. When I say that, it's hard to grasp this. That we may be filled with all the fullness of God. God's big. And God's love is not one-dimensional. We just kind of reviewed that in the verse prior, talking about the breadth, the length, the height, the width, the depth. I probably got some of that mixed around. But there is width, there's length, depth, and height. And this can only be comprehended through the revelation knowledge of the Holy Spirit. He is the revealer. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. Huge, number one, numero uno, preeminent truth is God loves you. But having only a superficial knowledge of God's love is like looking at a one-dimensional picture of a real object. If I looked at my wife in one dimension, she would look like a line. There's a whole lot more to that woman than a single thin line. God, who is love, he wants us, he wants to fill us, cram us full with the fullness of himself. Maybe you're thinking, I don't think I'm that big. Trust me, there's room. That's, ca- that's To say that's cool is so understated. God wants to fill us full with himself, the fullness of himself. There's actually a scripture, and I, would, I kind of searched for it real quick, but the fullness of the Godhead bodily. It talks about the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwelling in our spirits. That's like, whoa. Holy Spirit's in us. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit. Christ in us, the hope of glory. We are seated in Christ. Christ is in us. We are in him. We're in the Father. There's a whole lot of God going on. This will get, you'll, you'll get this. The Holy Spirit's going to play this back in your head. I believe it. Okay, here we are. Last two verses. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Exceedingly means superior to, abundantly above. And God, again, is a God of too much. And that word abundantly actually means excessive, super abundant in quantity or superior in quality, extravagant, to the point where it looks wasteful. How many know, remember the, the account where Jesus was being anointed with the perfume that was the weight, the cost of this perfume was a year's wages? And people around, some of his dudes, Thought it was kind of wasteful. Could have given this to the poor. And Jesus thought it was great. And he said, wherever this gospel preached, they're going to hear about this. They're going to hear about this. This woman lavishly 
laid it all out there. Jesus was worth this to her, to pour out her whole life in gratitude to him. It's amazing. When some saw that wasteful, she was worshiping with her everything. For all I know, this was all she had. I don't know. But she lavished her worship on the Lord Jesus. Think. The next word, think. To comprehend. To consider, perceive, understand. Above all, do we ask or think? Can anybody think big? And the, the next word, power, we've heard that. Dunamis, where we get the word dynamite. Right? It's ability, miraculous power. Inherent power. Power that is stored up. Power that is stored up or strength. And the last word works, the highlight here is energio, and that's another word for power. It actually means to be active, to show forth self, be mighty in. It's the display of that inherent power, that dunamis power. It's the display of that. God is the one who can do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. Some of us have experienced that. Some of us have no idea what that, what that means, but that's God's heart. He wants to just overwhelm you with his goodness. And part of that starts with the, the revealed knowledge of his love for us. And he wants us to become aware that the power of the Holy Spirit, that dunamis power is in us, wanting to be released. And according to how that power is released is how we're going to see this over and above, this abundantly in our life. It doesn't just, there's not, a, there's not a period after all we can ask or think, boom, that's it. But it's according to that power that is at work and is energized in our life. And faith activates that power of God in our life as we are rooted and grounded in love and the love of the Father. That trust. We know that faith is just complete and total, full-on trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And his ability in us. In ourselves, we know we, have, we do not have ability to do anything. But in Christ, he is our ability. He is our strength. We sing that song. I mean, it's a scripture. It's a scriptural song. But the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. The greatest, that was the, we talked about that last week, I think. The greatest manifestation of power ever there was one verse we covered in previous weeks that had like four different words for power. It was like, it's like the most powerful verse in the Bible. But it was the greatest display of God's power ever in history was when he raised Jesus from the dead. And I referenced to making the, all the celestial universe, everything, with his finger, the work of his fingers. And the the earth was the work of his hands, and then salvation. We saw, I believe it's a scripture in Isaiah. It was the strength in his arms. It took all God's power to raise Jesus from the dead, and the same spirit that raised him from the dead is in us and alive in us. That is overwhelming. Faith is 
believing what God says about us and speaking it out of our mouth. Jesus showed us how to do that, how to walk in that. And I want to be a doer of the word, as James talks about. Don't just be a hearer. This is good. Yay, I'm here at church. This is really neat stuff to hear. No, I want, I want to be a doer. I want to see the results that God is talking about in my life, in his word. I want, Pastor Chad made a, made a reference to ambassadors, that we're ambassadors. We're representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ on this earth. How did, God, how did Jesus represent God on this earth? He went about doing bad and pointing out everybody's faults. No. The Bible says he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. And we are his body. Should we look like him? I'm thinking so. But this prayer, the prayer we covered last week and the prayer we covered the week prior, God's heart for us. This is God's heart for us. He wants us to become absorbed and overwhelmed and to comprehend because it's possible because it says it in here with how much he loves us. That we would become so rooted in that that there's, the more rooted we are in God's love, the less hindrances there are to releasing the power of God in our life. Because we realize it's not us. It's God in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. We're going to pray this together, and I'm not going to apologize for picking this out of the Amplified Bible. It's a little lengthy. Last week I gave you a break. I chose the New Living Translation. But we're going to pray this together, and again, I want us to pray this boldly with an expectancy. This is God's heart for me. This is God's will for me, and I believe this for my life. All right, so I will lead us. Let's pray this with expectancy, okay? Father... Grant me out of the riches of your glory to be strengthened and spiritually energized with power through your spirit in my inner self, indwelling my innermost being and personality, so that Christ may dwell in my heart through my faith. And may I, having been deeply rooted and securely grounded in love, be fully capable of comprehending with all the saints, your people, the width and length and height and depth of your love, fully experiencing that amazing and endless love, and that I may come to know practically through personal experience the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience that I may be filled up throughout my being to all the fullness of you father so that I may have the richest experience of your presence in my life completely filled and flooded with you father now to you who is able to carry out your purpose, and do superabundantly more than all that I dare ask or think, infinitely beyond my greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams, according to your power that is at work within me. To you be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen.
Amen. Be it unto you, be it unto you, according to his word, is my prayer. Be it unto us, according to your word, Lord. This series, again, was just to make us aware of God's heart for us. As a member of the body of Christ, he wants us to be enlightened, to know who we are. There's so many people that have an identity crisis. They don't know who they are, and they're trying to be somebody else. They're trying to do what culture wants them to do. They're confused. Some don't even know which bathroom to go into. I don't know. It's, I'm not trying to be funny. But that's the level of confusion and deception the enemy has people under. And God wants to reveal truth. He wants us to walk in the light of his love for us. He wants to walk, us to walk in the freedom that it can only be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is, there is no answer other than Jesus for the racism problem, for the sexual confusion problem, for the money problem, the financial problem. It's, there's a one-word answer, and his name is Jesus. And he is the truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's it. It sounds so simple, but God didn't make it difficult. It's easy enough for a kid to understand. And he wants this, this love thing we talked about today. He wants to reveal his love to everyone. How many knows that he didn't come and die for Christians? There weren't any. He came to die for the people who needed him, and that was everybody. And I am grateful by the grace of God that I wasn't too stupid to reject my answer. By the grace of God, the Holy Spirit is the one who draws us to Jesus And that's my heart, to see people drawn to Jesus by the power of the Spirit of God. And for those who have been drawn to Jesus, to actually wake up to who you are now. Feel free to be a doer of the word and to declare boldly over your own life these scriptures. Father God, I just thank you for your revealed word to us by your Holy Spirit. I thank you for your love for us that just... Apparently, we can comprehend it because your word says so. So we just receive the truth and reject the lie that we don't have what it takes to comprehend what is the length and the width and the height and the depth of your love for us. But no, we saw your display in Jesus. That's how much you love us. You gave us Jesus. So why would we doubt anything less would be withheld? Thank you for Jesus. And Lord, I just, by your spirit, as we go through our lives in and out of here and in and out of wherever we go, Holy Spirit, remind us of this truth, of these truths that we've heard, that God is for us. So who can be against us? And I just bless you. In Jesus' name, go and represent him in your life. Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.